to all of you fine against the mob podcast listeners uh, we welcome you back for another episode today uh kind of going to be a little bit of a glimpse back into the past uh tied in with some current events we're going to talk about a deep dive into the fbi today uh we'll talk about kind of the formation of the fbi uh specifically from their own fbi.org website so kind of the fbi's own view of why the fbi exists uh we'll also talk about our favorite alphabetic organization here and uh, kind of what Matthew and I, as we are wont to do, uh, we're just going to complain endlessly about this government program and, and tell you why it shouldn't exist in the first place, uh, or at least make that case as to why this is a corrupted government program at this point and is working more against your freedom than it is to benefit you. And then finally, we'll go into uh, the big news story of the day, which is, of course, Mar-a-Lago and the uh, the Trump estate being raided from, and what the implications of that are. Uh, and just, you know, kind of our general musings and thoughts on what we have to say about what's going on down there in Florida. Yeah, we're uh, really excited to be back with you guys. Sorry for the little bit of delay on this episode. This one is my fault. It has historically been Logan's fault, but uh, I can I can take the blame for this one. I ditched out on our recording day so I could go to Colorado and ride some some bicicletas and it was pretty dope. So. Uh, thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for your patience with me, Logan. But um, bicicletas is a polar bear in Spanish. I believe. It, that is that is correct, and that's what the, the there's actually a strip club that that we went to called that. So uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna beat you. To, I'm gonna beat you to the gay joke. Like you can't even make it. I'm gonna steal that from you. <laughs> I wasn't even done forming it yet. You're 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 learning my patterns. <laughs> Did, yeah, I'm just steps like, ahead of me at this point. Boom, boom. Never let them know your next move. <laughs> But as always, before we get going, guys, I would like to thank our dear sponsor and friend of the pod. You guys know who they are, Public Hangings for Pedophiles. And we'd like to thank them for their continued support of this show. PHFP is an organization that is dedicated to fighting human trafficking and pedophilia. They are a grassroots organization that is bringing this issue to the center stage through culture and, most importantly, action. Every fiscal quarter, they also make a donation to another organization that is in the trenches with them. So you know when you go to ph-fp.com, every dollar you spend there goes to a good cause. You support them. You also support the show. And you keep the zoom and the lights on over here. But most importantly, you help support survivors. I can't think of any better way to spend a few dollars. Plus, you get some dope-ass merch in return because that's how voluntary association and free markets work. So go to phfp.com and check out what they have to offer. Public hangings for pedophiles, turning awareness into action. So before we get going, I'd like to hit you guys with a couple of like did you knows on in this or on this day in history? So on August 25th, in 1944, Paris was liberated after four years of Nazi occupation. I think that's pretty cool. In 1950, Truman ordered the seizure of the railroads and put it under control of the army because there was a crippling uh, railroad strike going on. I thought that was pretty interesting, right? Uh, our little, our you know, let's start with a little bit of tyranny. And uh, in pop culture, well, hold. Is it tyranny when it's for the greater good, though? Yeah, no, no, that's right. It's like I think it's uh, I think it's only tyranny when it comes from the tyrannical um, region of France. 
Otherwise, it's, 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 just, it's just otherwise it's just sparkling, <laughs> sparkling tyranny. <laughs> it's just sparkling dictatorship. Otherwise. Right, it, that's the, it's a sparkling dictatorship. It doesn't come from the tyranny region of France. <laughs> oh, I like that. That is great. <laughs> oh, and, so... and, and in 1939, The Wizard of Oz premiered for the first time in American theaters. Another great reference we like to make uh, when talking about the lizard people behind the curtain. We say Wizard of Oz far too many times, one of our favorite motifs. Um, so anyway, to get back on track here and talking about the FBI and their formation, this first section uh, that we kind of prepared for you guys is about uh, the FBI, specifically from the FBI.org. And you know who better to hear about the origins of the FBI and the, the creation uh, myth of why this organization is needed to protect us than the FBI themselves. Um, now, like I said, this section is the FBI and why it was formed. And the next section is uh, we're going to complain about why the FBI sucks. I will say there's going to be quite a bit in here where I couldn't help myself. And I put in why directly under their formation reason they suck, in fact. Um, so don't worry. We will complain throughout the entirety of this episode for you guys. That's what we do best. Uh, to make sure and drive home the point. <laughs> so anyway, when they're citing on the, the FBI.org kind of all the reasons for the formation of it, uh, they talk about city population growth leading to criminal activity, um, which I find interesting because a lot of that criminal activity is civil unrest. Uh, it's workers striking against factory bosses. Um, they're shutting down, essentially shutting down early unions. Yeah, they're union, yeah it's like union cracking. And that's right, uh, right. and that's a, that's a crazy concept too. That it's like, oh well, we need to make sure that we, uh, you know, have to have to stop all this criminal activity. And it's like, oh, what's the criminal activity? Oh, you mean people are organizing against their really shitty labor conditions for like right, better right. pay, like safer working <laughs> environments? Like, oh, fuck yeah. them, right? Shame, yeah, the shame, majority on, of shame the crime. on them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the crime at that time that they're referring to, if you look it up, a lot of it is just like, hey, I'm tired of being oppressed by this horrible corporation that's been given leave from the government to just roll over my family and our lives and turn us into indentured servants. And it's like, but they did it legally because they own the government. And they write the laws. So it was legal, in fact. Yeah, that's just kind of how all the that whole. Works. Yeah, the, the whole that that entire time period of history is fascinating. Like all I mean, how many times the the state or, or corporations co-opted the state to use police forces to go out and murder striking. There's, I'm trying to think of the big one in West Virginia where a bunch of coal miners ended up like they got shot. And there's a, there's actually on I-20, uh, on I-25. Whatever. Learn to code, bro. Right. On I-25 between uh, Raton and uh, Pueblo, there's actually the Ludlow um, massacre monument where a bunch of coal workers moved their their family like their women and kids into this and uh, the police burned the building down they ended up like murdering like 17 18 people and it's like all in the on the name of get your ass back to work well if you would have just complied this wouldn't have happened good old government <laughs> bootlicking, so, bootlicking. they of course uh, also are going to cite corruption in politics as well as corruption and monopolies in the private sector so if you're ever like observing in your history books how bad corruption was in politics and how the monopolies of, of the old days in corporations were such a problem, and you notice how we have all that completely fixed and cleared up now, that's of because of the FBI. It is because that's of the FBI. The guys yes. It. Corporations can be trusted now because of the FBI. That's right. Yeah, they've cleaned all that up. Uh, <laughs> it's just laughable along the way. Uh, they all tell us to talk about disjointed law systems, and, and specifically in this one does, to me, hold a little bit of credence because it is like, oh, it's difficult to hunt down these people when you have all these different uh, – a lot of people had basically private sector 
security at this time. So they didn't work as enjoyed, especially in, you know, there were areas where the US tax dollar didn't reach. So it was like you appoint your own sheriff and your own deputies and figure it out. And good luck. Uh, and good luck out there. Have fun with that. <laughs> um, they also give a very good shout out to anarchist, which is great. Now, to be fair, these are mostly the left-leaning anarchist of the day. This is not the ANCAP uh, fans over here, but I did think it was interesting to get a, a good old recognition vote for us anarchists out there. Yeah, Although well, Matt, I think likes you know, anarchists more. Well, to, well, to be fair, you know, it's like anarchism. I think that we, I, I've like, we do a lot of gatekeeping. I think in the 21st century about the term anarchist, and we often for we often fail to forget that there is like a very violent sect of anarchists. There always has been, right? Like anarchists came to fame for assassinating kings in Italy, for assassinating presidents in the United States, for throwing bombs in train stations in Berlin, right? Like anarchists, right. there is a violent sect of them. And there always has been. And I think there always will be. And I know that we now as like as modern polite anarchists, we like to say like, oh, well, it's the non-aggression principle. And we don't do, <laughs> you don't hit kids and take their stuff. But it's like old anarchist, anarchists, like I'm going to shoot the, pre- I'm going to shoot the president when he's leaving the train station. You know, right, <laughs> it's like that's right. that's what I'm going to do. What are you going to do about corruption and the crime? <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess that's why it's a, a frustrating point for me. Is because we we have that framing and that change over time. In the same way that classical liberalism is right, a lot of the things that I read, but I am in no means a a new age liberal in the United States. It doesn't make any sense. It's kind of the same thing there. These this brand of anarchism was a bit more aggressive that they were dealing with. Very, um, <laughs> and by no means are are the ANCAP people we're talking about. Um, but I did have a, a quote here from the FBI.org just and I thought it was interesting uh, the way they will form anarchism and not delineate any of those different types. So if you call yourself an ANCAP, they're happy to toss you right in there with, with anarchists in the way they don't uh, delineate between you know terrorist anarchists and just ANCAPs who think the government should leave them alone. Um, but anyway, the, the quote goes, the prevailing anarchist creed that the government was oppressive and repressive. So they're so far check, uh, back yeah. to the quote. Uh, that it should be overthrown by random attacks from the ruling class, including everyone from the police to the priests to the politicians, was preached by often articulate spokesmen and women around the world. And that's from the FBI.org, like I said. So I just thought that was an interesting quote to pull up and, <laughs> and show their their own framing of uh, anything that's anti-government. They don't want to hear the nuances of it. They're going to kind of gulp all that together and really show you why you are the problem in this world if you don't believe in big government solving it. Um, they also give a pretty nice big credit here to the anarchism being basically the Oedipus of why it was formed. Uh, and then another quote from the FBI.org that goes, uh, the anarchists, in a sense, were the first modern day terrorists, which is also great because <laughs> terrorism terrorism was a term formed like 800 years or not, like 200 years before this. <laughs> I looked that up before just to see like what. So they already had terrorism as a form, as a word, as a specific group of people. And they're like, well, this was the first terrorists or anarchists. Uh, anyway, the quote continues banding together in small isolated groups around the world, motivated by ideology, bent on bringing down the governments they hated. But they would ironically hasten into being the first force of federal agents that would later become the FBI. So it's beautiful. It's a. Uh, one of those uh like, damn we really blew up in in those anarchist face there they in a uh roundabout way created the, one of the largest most draconian institutes that governments have ever seen in the fbi <laughs> and in your attempts to to destroy said organization and that's i think that that's kind of just the theme of this podcast and the theme of people that is a common thread that when you start to pay attention 
is that the unintended consequences that, and there's something I want to say a little bit later on a different point about this, that, that even though something can begin with good intentions, um, oftentimes the modern manifestation or what it grows into be is, you know, something that probably the early form would have sought to abolish, right? Like you can look at the federal government and say that if you took the federal government of 2022 and showed it to the founders, they'd be like, well, you're worse than the, you guys are worse than the British, you know, like, <laughs> uh, like Benjamin, the muskets where, you know, <laughs> Benjamin, the muskets. <laughs> uh, no, you're absolutely right though. And that's something we, we like to hammer home on the show, the more we look into it. And I think it comes from kind of a place of political understanding that most people don't set out to be evil. That's not usually the way this works. People right. think they have the best way to form society. And our whole argument in this liberty space where we don't want to have a gigantic federal uh, empire over us is saying that I just think that it's a very dangerous thing to have that kind of power so that when they, that person gets there, if they're not right, which most of us are going to be wrong because it's not certainly. something anybody's yeah. figured out yet. You know, We haven't figured it out yet. Otherwise, we would have this utopia and everybody would be modeling their societies off of it that weren't being you know, directly oppressed by, by some major dictator, but because we don't have that, it's just an indication that nobody quite has the answers yet. And that if you give ultimate power to one person or one group of people, they're liable to make the wrong decision. And it's going to be really bad for all of us. And I don't think they should have that kind of power. Agreed. Absolutely. That's why we're fighting for decentralization over here. <laughs> now, I don't know that this is necessarily an important part of the story, but I did find it interesting that uh, the first gentleman who was in charge of the organization that would eventually become the FBI uh, was Charles Bonaparte, which is a nephew of Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah, France, grand nephew. Just an interesting grand nephew. Thank you, but it's a weird little tidbit there in history that, like, yeah, it's interesting to see and kind of part of that uh, that large conspiracy brain that it's all run by one thing. In the same way that we have a lot of presidents that are related, or they're all part of the same yeah, fraternity and, in college, and they all go to the same school, and they're all cousins and, and, grow, and leaders. The kind of this, thing I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> <faggiest> thing. <laughs> that's a that's a Richard Nixon quote for anybody who's not familiar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like even in these like these empire builders across the world, and just two generations later, their children are still in powers of influence and in other powerful forms of governments around the world, and and creating more gigantic government programs that swallow up your tax money and take away your rights. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that I always try to remind myself that it's easy to start to get into like the conspiratorial mindset, but it's also very hard to like pull off conspiracies. You know, there's, there's, I mean, there's a, uh, a lot of, very, very small conspiracies are hard to keep under wraps, right? Like I just finished up a little series on the Haitian revolution and one of the early, one of the early rebellions gets snuffed out. There's only like seven people planning it and one person, right? It's like in a group of seven people, one person can keep their mouth shut and then all those guys end up getting executed. But then the slave revolt happens anyways and yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's, we, I think we try to fool ourselves with kind of this conspiracy, but I think it's just the practicality in the nature of power, right? Why wouldn't the why wouldn't the grand nephew of a very powerful man find his way into powerful positions, even if it's across seas in a different country? There's still going to be, you know, when you start getting into certain circles, um, it's amazing, like how many people actually know 
everyone right like when you start to get into it's like oh like of course all the millionaires know each other because it's not that big of a club (laughs) and so it's like of course that that's what that's what they do right why wouldn't millionaires and billionaires talk about opportunities that are available to millionaires and billionaires so naturally those positions and those opportunities start to get perpetrated and filled by millionaires and billionaires because that's who's talking about and that's who has the ability to actually uh you know delegate that power and authority so i think it is really interesting though no, that is a really good point. And, and I mean, even to that, it, in the same way that uh, it doesn't have to be somebody setting out to be evil to create evil deeds with the force, the ham-handed True. power of government, in the same way that, you know, they may not be this grand conspiracy of all the rich people in a room trying to run the world. However, it doesn't have to be for this to be a grotesque way to practice government because it's cronyism. That's also mm-hmm. a horrible way to run a government that just because you're somebody's rich nephew, you get to run it. And what that also does, if you're a big fan of diversity in your representation, you know what doesn't get a lot of diversity is when the same eight elitist oligarchies children run for president every year. And they all have the exact same idea of how to run the world. And though they may not be in a, a giant conference room discussing exactly what the next plan is, they all have this idea that the government needs to be bigger so that a smart person like me can get in charge and make it all run right. Mm-hmm. So even if that jackass Trump's in there, as long as he's expanding the roles of government, it's not a bad thing because we'll get a Clinton in there or a Bush in there in four years and it'll be back to operating procedure and we can right. all try to become king of the world. Back to back to standard war crimes, you know, where, um, where our war crimes are well spoken. We can feel good about our war criminals when they get on television instead of instead of the orange swoop, the orange terror, <laughs> the orange terror, <laughs> the orange swoop's not bad either. Still love Teflon Don. That's pretty good. I, I do like Teflon. I don't know Don. if it's it may not be holding up for much longer with this Mar-a-Lago raid. But... We'll see, dude. I mean, who's, who's not who's not in jail? Who hasn't been That's indicted true. by a grand jury? That's true. Teflon That's Don, dude. Point. This is fair. <laughs> then uh, another another interesting point too is that um, the FBI on their website points out that the assassination of President McKinley um, at the hands of and I cannot I have tried to pronounced it i have no idea how to pronounce this guy's last name so i'm just gonna i sat there for five minutes before the show saying that last name over and over and i finally did exactly what you just said i'm like there's no fucking way yeah no so we're gonna call him leon c because i cannot pronounce his last name and because he uh, only has two vowels and two z's in his last name c z o l g o s z yeah i i got nothing so quote yeah when you have more z's in your name than vowels i'm gonna struggle to say it as an american or yeah the same amount (laughs) there's uh after losing his factory job and turning to the writings of of anarchists like emma goldman and alexander berkman he ends up uh shooting the president president mckinley on the uh, platform of buffalo train station i'm trying to think what is what was he what was he doing there um the pan-american exposition that's it I knew it was in Buffalo. I couldn't remember what he was doing there, but yeah. So he ends up uh, he ends up just like going to shake hands with the president, and Secret Service does not do a good job because they're standing five feet away. And um, <laughs> as he steps up with a handkerchief in his hand, uh, he also has a uh, gun in the handkerchief, and he puts two in the president's chest. And uh, Secret yeah. Service stand there going, "Well, isn't that nice? I didn't even hear the president sneeze." <laughs> 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 yeah and mckinley uh so yeah so mckinley will die from his wounds um he dies i think it's uh seven or eight days later i'm not sure when he when he actually succumbs to his bullet wounds but then that leads us to roosevelt who is his vice president who appoints 
Mr. Charles Bonaparte as his second attorney general. And, you know, this is this is Teddy Roosevelt. This is the this is the good Roosevelt. Um, I don't even know if the good Roosevelt. Um, I despise Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But interestingly enough, like Teddy's a hard person to pin down because he's like this political compass, wild figure. You know, yeah, like he really fucks up the political compass test. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah he does. Like he's very, uh, you know, he um, he's very authoritarian, right? In the sense where he uh, kindly persuades, I think is the kindest way I could put it. Uh, he persuades <laughs> Panama to allow us to build a canal. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is uh, this is the gentleman of speaks we softly like and carry cut your country stick. in half. Yeah, but that's it. But that's that was American foreign policy under him. We speak softly and carry a big stick. Um, he's also. Um, like kind of an authoritarian left because he like breaks up monopolies. Um, and then he's very much like a lib left because he creates the national park foundation. You know, he's like, he's a really interesting character, but anyways, into Roosevelt, which then starts to get the rest of this actually rolling. I'm sorry. I've lost my spot. No, it's all good. Um, so then, uh, so then actually, so Bonaparte uh, actually becomes, one of the people that convinces Roosevelt uh, that the com- that the criminal justice system is too disjointed to properly investigate crimes across the nation, right? Like we were saying earlier, when you have all of these separate jurisdictions, and I think that the, one of the things that as we've been preparing this episode that I've been thinking about, like a lot of the things that the FBI say in their own narrative, they say they're trying to tackle are also problems that we would run into in Ankapistan, right? Like, like in Ankapistan, what is to stop corruption and monopolies of the private sector in the sense is like, okay, well, it's like, yeah, you're not being oppressed by the government, but you're now an Amazon slave lave, you know, slave laborer. Get back in your get back in your lithium mine battery, you know, <laughs> battery. You know, it's like and there, there are some really interesting points about this because like even different jurisdictions, sheriffs and marshals, and no one's getting along. And there, uh, you know, all of a sudden those things start to, it becomes a very real issue of like, how do you, how do you solve national crime in Afghanistan? Right. In, in and that's Afghanistan. kind of what I pointed out earlier is like there, that is maybe the best argument for the FBI that I heard in their, their own website is like the, the disjointed nature and having the ability to chase down past state lines, these criminals, um, you know, we also are overlooking, like we said earlier, the uh, which is kind of this next section I wanted to get into anyway. Uh, it's really interesting that the FBI does go to point out, uh, and I'll quote from their website again. And though no one knew it at the time, America's cities and town were fast becoming a breeding ground for future generations of professional lawbreakers. In Brooklyn, a nine-year-old Al Capone would soon start his life of crime. In Indianapolis, a five-year-old John Dillinger was growing up on a family farm. And in Chicago, a young child christened Lester Joseph Gillis, Gillis, later to morph into the vicious killer Babyface Nelson, would be uh, would greet the world by the year's end. So I think it's really interesting that when they're talking about the formation of the FBI and why it was needed, they point to all this organized crime that is to come in the next two decades of nine-year-old right. children who are being born in Chicago they're like these nine-year-olds in Chicago. That's why we needed to go ahead and form this gigantic agency to take care of all this organized crime to come. That's ignoring the fact that the prohibition and the these extra laws and this oppression of people. When you tell people you're not allowed to put alcohol in your body, and they go, "Hey, fuck you, man. Who are you to tell me what I can consume and can't consume?" And now those are all criminals. So that's the majority of this organized crime sprouted from 
people wanting to get goods that were always legal that the government just decided they couldn't have anymore. Yeah. And that's, I think that that's like, once again, like the unintended consequences of our actions are a motherfucker sometimes. Uh, that's the, you know, that's the, that's the best way I can put it. I think Cicero probably said that or something like that. But um, I also think that it's interestingly, and I think it's, it's worth pointing out and kind of detouring here for a second, just noting, you know, Roosevelt and this progressive agenda and how that ties into the creation of the FBI, because progressives now, they, they get a terrible rap, right, especially amongst liberty-loving people. Uh, but I think our modern lexicon and how we think about progressives doesn't really do history service in this case, right? Because in short, what is the progressive argument? Uh, the progressive argument is that um, even then, you know, then and even now, maybe you could, there's the argument could be made, right? We can also make the argument against it. But the progressive agenda, in short, believes that the state's goal and its purpose is to make life better for the citizenry. Or another way to put it is that progressives, progressives believe in using the state to make sure that the life of the people are better. And it's it's interesting because this doesn't stem, right? Like, I don't think that in this, uh, in the creation of the FBI, it's like, oh, let, let's create a security state apparatus that's going to run amok and that's not going to be answerable to any any uh, any voters and that's going to be able to be appointed. And, and all, right, that's probably not in their mind. It's probably coming from a place of genuine like trying to do good. Hey, look, there's problems of interstate crime in this country. We have no way to deal with national gangsters running amok. We need an organization that can actually combat this effectively. And I don't think that that's like that's not an out that's not an outrageous position to take. But then once, you, but as you know, we all know how it is. It's the slow creeping march of the state. Um, it either corrupts those that are in it. Or it draws the corrupted by its power, and it's because it, mm -hmm. that is the nature of power. And another thing that I think is kind of interesting that made me think uh, about this um, that I've been chewing on in this episode. It's like okay, like like we sit here and poo poo on the progressive agenda because I despise social security because if you just let me have that money and invest it in even a, a poorly performing four hundred one k or is some sort of you know dividend paying. Um, portfolio, it's like, I'm gonna have way more money at the end than if you took my social security money. But that's a yeah. different bitch for another day. But <laughs> things like Upton St. Clair in the jungle, right? That is, you know, it was the progressive agenda that really stepped that 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 book helped expose like the muckrackers and um, all of the terrible things that was going on in industry. And I think that's where like we as modern, like, you know, it's like, I just love Liberty. I don't even know what to call myself. Libertarian, anarchist, minarchist, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. I think that's one of those things that we look back at and we say, well, it's like, Oh, well we there's, there's ways that corporations would behave, but this is a time in the world where corporations are not behaving. This is a time in the world where you were getting served terrible poisoned meat and they don't care because they're still making a shit ton of money and they don't care mm. if they poison you or not because there's someone else who's going to buy that product you know and so i think it's just thank one of those god things. we now have a national board of people who can make sure that food's healthy and, and produce lists for you that'll tell you things like mini wheats and lucky charms are healthier than red meat and, and eggs yeah and that's it went back to the that but that is the point right like i'm sure that when the fda and the usda 
are created in the wake of things like the jungle. And if no one, if you haven't, if one, if you're, if your school didn't teach that to you, then I'm not surprised, but they probably should have made you read that book. But two, if you're an adult and you haven't read that, um, like go read it, go read the damn book. Like shame on you at this point. If you haven't read that book, it's like a great classic American piece of literature. So that's my chat. Like if you haven't read the jungle, that's on you at this point. You can't blame your public school system because I know the demographics of who listened to this and all of you guys are out of high school. So <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And that's a point we probably don't make enough on this podcast. And I feel like we still say it every other episode, but it could be said more. We tend to get hyperbolic. We do this. We like to have fun. We like to say silly things. Uh, so we say things like lizard people and the grand cabal conspiracy. We don't necessarily believe that's true. I'm, I do leave open a small bit of, of uh, possibility that some of those grand conspiracies are true, certainly. However, most of the stuff does come from like what Matt's saying. There are people that are, they believe that they are going to do what's good for this nation. And unfortunately, along the way, they are often wrong. They don't see the externalities of the decisions they make and how that's going to affect people outside of the direct policy they put in. And they're also open to corruption monetarily. Uh, corruption comes in many forms, too. People can be struggling. I mean, they could have uh, a situation where a family member uh, in, got into some nefarious activity and they might go to jail forever. Like maybe they have uh, child pornography and videos of them smoking crack on their laptop and you don't want them to go to prison forever. Uh, so it's, a, of course not. it's hard to let your son just go away forever. <laughs> you have a place of power and you can influence that decision. I'm just a loving father. I'm not a corrupt politician. <laughs> I think it's also just interesting to point out in the same way that whenever these do get built, they use hindsight and things like nine-year-old children and unborn children that are going to become criminals someday to go look how important it was that we had this infrastructure in place. Uh, it's a lot of the same way our organization operates at a military standpoint where we have people attack us and we go, oh, thank God we already have military bases scattered around the world. Uh, to take care of these terrorists that came to America. And what you're ignoring there is when we built those military bases, a lot of people died in those areas. And a lot of people's kids lived on and became pretty fucking radicalized from that because their yeah. dad got blown into a million pieces by a U.S. drone. There's a, a really good uh, there's a really good quote of that. And it says, yesterday's civilian is tomorrow's insurgent based on today's atrocities. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, that is, it's that math of insurgency that we talk about a lot on here. And, and it's, it can't be said enough. When you kill somebody's dad, somebody's mom, your soldiers get a little haywire and they rape somebody's sister while they're over there planting your military flags all over the planet. People have a little bit of resentment for that. Shocking. Weird how that works out. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting because th there is like, you know, that revisionist history at play here where they're looking back and trying to justify their actions through the, you know, it's like, Hey, look, if we had not done this, then all of these terrible things would have happened. But then, you know, it's also like you mentioned earlier, that one, you know, one of the most overlooked aspects of prohibition and the whitewashing of that, that we do so well in American history is that we conveniently quote unquote, forget it's the, it's the government's attempt to legislate morality that led to the bootlegging and the realized gains and maximized profit of organized crime. And then, you know, to combat that, then the United States government has to resort, uh, resort to uh, the poisoning of alcohol. And, uh, you know, that led to blindness and deaths of Americans, but it's all in the greater good, right? We're poisoning right. this alcohol for your own good. Right, right. People are dying on the street because they wanted to have a beer. Uh, but we're going to have a, a much cleaner society 
or we might reverse our decision completely in four years and decide that we don't care about alcohol that much because it became such a problem. Yeah, right. It's like ah, that's the that's the uh, Matthew Mitchell <laughs> talks about that the uh, the alliance uh, the the Quakers and the bootlickers or uh, yeah. bootleggers Quaker and the bootleggers and how that's oftentimes right. two like it's almost like the horseshoe theory in another way that like two <laughs> um, organizations that aren't. Um, close in any way, shape, or form will come together for the same cause because the Quakers want alcohol, you know, um, pro, uh, prohibited. So you can't drink anymore and the bootleggers want it so they can make a lot of money. And it's like, yeah, yeah sure. Yep. By all means. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The, the number one person that benefits from prohibition of anything is the person who is the purveyor of that thing because it just got doubled in value, if not more. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so back to the FBI and their formation, um, they did operate without uh, a name. It was like, a, what, July 26th of 1908 um, that the FBI kind of got its official birth, according to the FBI.org. But they did operate uh, without any official uh, label for a good while, which uh, Matthew had an interesting point about that I had not seen myself. Yeah, and it's the... It's the tail. It's the very telling example of how the security state actually works, right? A nameless, faceless organization that isn't accountable to anyone at the end of the day, and it operates with the blessings of both parties across administrations. There's no because, right? It's like, yeah, okay, fine. We don't have a name for this um, organization yet, but we'll give you money. We like what you guys are doing. And in 1908, you know, a new president comes in 1912. Guess what? That's fine. Every, the new Congress thinks that's fine. The new Senate thinks that's fine. 1916, 1920, right? And it just keeps on going on and on and on. And there's, it's just that's that's what happens. That is what that's that it's the best, it's the best like story of what the security state actually does and what it and how it grows. Because I'm sure the, like I, I think that that's one thing that we're often too critical. Um, because I have no idea what Teddy Roosevelt's intentions are, right? A lot of times people don't write this down in a diary for us to, you know, this is why I created the FBI. And if they do, it's <laughs> usually slanted to try to like help their image in the past. But we don't know the intentions of these people. And I think that it's it's kind of a subset of Occam's razor, right? Um, and it's uh, never, never a tribute to malice so it can be explained by stupidity. Because a lot of human interaction, it's like, oh, well, that guy's just bad. It's like, I'm sure there's a there. I can come up with ten reasons before he's a bad person. And he's probably just like ignorant, misguided, stupid. Yeah, you know those those describe a lot of human activity and behavior far before you get to this is this is an evil person with the mm -hmm. evil intention of creating a security state that's going to murder Black Panthers later. That's probably that's right. not on Teddy's that's not on his radar. And it's all that greater good argument that if you're hey I'm a good guy. There are bad guys here that are threatening this government that we all live under that that provides the life we all are enjoying right now. And there's a lot of bureaucracy and red tape around this kind of shit. And I can't get these agents to actually be able to investigate it. I need to give them more power. And, and sure, that seems like a lot of power for any one individual, but I'm a good guy. Mm -hmm. So this 007 that I'm creating with his license to kill, he's going to be a good guy. I'm only going to appoint good guys. And so because this organization always has good people in it, what could go wrong? But that just completely overlooks one of the most common uh, human traits, which is the ability to be corrupted. Like <laughs> there's none of us are above corruption as much as Matthew and I bitch and complain about corruption and how that's what's wrong with government. We shouldn't have a government. If you made us the president tomorrow 
and somebody came to our ear and said, your family's going to all get eradicated tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. If you don't pass this bill, you're probably going to pass that bill. I might pass the bill. I'm going to be shitting myself, you know. I, or I, if it's somebody, important for me. Or if they don't even have to use threat of coercion, right? It's like, hey, would you like after your president, would you like a beachside estate at Martha's Vineyard? Would you like multi-million dollar speaking engagements to talk for an hour to these banks? It's, uh, that's a that's a pretty hard thing. It's I've never been I've perk. never been tempted with that before. So it's me easy. And Matthew are doing say. it about once every other week for free. I'm about to say, <laughs> yeah, right. We're saying the wrong stuff. We're not saying the right thing to get those paychecks, but we're doing it. Yeah, and it's one. Of, it's I have no idea. I, I I would like to think that maybe my uh, my moral compass would uh, withstand that, but I don't know. I, and hey, when you get in that room, when you're looking at the 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 real depths of the deep state. And you're seeing from the inside for the first time, oh, this is so much deeper and so much more impossible to fix than I've ever seen. And the alternative is you can die on that cross and it's going to be back to business as usual. Or you can take this pretty big paycheck and you can set up the next five, 10 generations of your family with generational wealth. Uh, and the, the only cost is you got to plug back into the matrix. <laughs> it's like, eh, you know, it's do I really want to die on this cross? Yeah. It's an easy yeah, way to see that somebody can be corrupted. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> All right. What else is important here in the formation? I think the rest of this is kind of just uh, chaff. Essentially, we just have down that Wickersham was the first one to give his name to the FBI, calling it the Bureau of Investigation. Uh, what is the quote we have there? Uh, I'll just read it since I'm. Uh, lost in making jokes at this point. Uh, during the first 15 <laughs> years, the Bureau was a shadow. Oh, yeah, I did like this quote a lot. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> and, and again, this is the FBI's was, own story. Some, itself. Some, some inside baseball here. Scrolling right, through right. <laughs> <laughs> during the first 15 years, the Bureau was a shadow of its future self. It was not yet strong enough to withstand the sometimes corrupting influences and patronage of uh, partisan, no, excuse me, patronage politics on hiring, promoting, and transfers. Mm. So I just love that they put that in there. It's like, we just weren't big enough then to be above corruption. But now that we're this huge nightmare organization that has all the power in the world and has impunity to raid presidential estates, now we're above corruption. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, you know, the organization that did all these shady things and went no formal oversight or in any sort of like, True transformations or reforms. No, they're they're the good guys in 2022. It's fine. Right. We can we is, definitely trust them. Which should be a familiar story for all of us, because this is the way every government and every corporation and every giant church that molested children. This is always the story. It's like right. It's almost a shield against new accusations to be like, no, no. I recognize that we've been tyrannical dictators for 200 years. Uh, or that we had a corrupt organization for so long that the government was susceptible to being bought out and sold and insider trading's going on. But we we recognize that. And that's why there's no reason to investigate it now because we're on top of it. Yeah, because and it's like, yeah, we've addressed I don't think that. you guys get to investigate that. Yeah, I don't think your word's good anymore, bro. <laughs> it's like, hey, the police have investigated the police and guess what? The police did nothing wrong. Case closed. Nothing to see here. Move on, folks. And it's like, oh, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. I'm glad that the police investigated the police. And there's I'm glad we wrong. finally 
finally <laughs> pumped enough money into that organization that it can no longer be susceptible to corruption. Because that's how you get corruption out of things is by making them extremely valuable positions to be held that make you insanely rich. Yeah, that is that is exactly. That's, you know, I think we could probably just end the episode there. We've pretty much solved it. Pretty much solved it all. And you know what, guys? I think we've been misguided. The United States government's good. The FBI's awesome. There's so much money. There's no way that they could be corrupt. All right, we'll see you we've, guys next week. If anything, just pump more money into these organizations and, and they'll yeah. be fine. Um, so now we're going to ironically move into the the – section that's about us complaining about the FBI <laughs> as if we didn't just do that for an hour. You mean um, unironically. <laughs> <laughs> but we essentially, we laid out why the FBI was formed to, to fight all these things. And it's like, what could we possibly can be complaining about? I mean, do we not believe in justice and order? And, and I'm sure that there are some ethereal ideas of corruption and wrongdoing that we could come up with in our heads of why it's so bad I did to do this. Uh, and that's why we're going to kind of take this next couple minutes to discuss some real life events that happened at the behest of the FBI that uh, we would probably consider maybe war crimes isn't right because they weren't in war, but uh, some pretty atrocious. Yeah, behavior. like war crimes. It's not, I don't know if they're war crimes. Uh, they're definitely maybe crimes against humanity. Uh, definitely unconstitutional, undemocratic, not cool human behavior. In the words of Jordan Pearson, like not good. You know, it's just like that's not, not good. good. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> but uh, be a man. Yeah, be your bed. but that is the thing about the fbi like we were saying earlier i'm sure that when they created this they had no idea because how could they right like you're living when you're talking about creating an organization in 1908 you're talking about a pre-world war one world that is a radically different place there's no way that teddy roosevelt could have ever comprehended the you know the first world war, the consequences of the first world war, which leads us to the second world war, the consequences of that, which leads us into the cold war. And that's where a lot of this rub comes from is because the, the FBI is going to um, undertake a massive domestic surveillance program, because that's the problem when that's the problem with the security apparatus. Once you, once it is your business to know, you must always know. You can never you can never close that door in terms in at least in in that zeitgeist of thinking. When when it comes to like we've opened the door of we have to know what the Russians are doing. We have to know what the Jews in Hollywood are doing. We have to know all of these subversive. You don't want to know what the Jews in Hollywood are doing. It's no, really yeah, yeah, no. We're, I'm not touching <laughs> that one. Um, the, the, but that's the problem is like once you're in the business of knowing, you must always try to feed that monster of knowing. And mm-hmm. that's why between 1940 and 1969, you know, they they installed over 7,000 national surveillances on, you know, violating the civil liberties of many Americans. Many, many, and many Americans. 7,000 surveillances doesn't mean 7,000 individuals either, because as we've seen with all of these things, if Matthew's under surveillance and I do a podcast with him, I'm definitely getting investigated. Yep. My girlfriend's probably getting a probe on her as well to make sure she's not doing anything. And if she's ordering pizza from somebody and says some weird keyword, they're going to start investigating the pizza. Play. They, they use these things to kind of octopus out. <laughs> and they're going to they're gonna be looking into a lot of people. When a surveillance doesn't mean, oh, we thought Jimbo might be a terrorist. It means we thought Jimbo might be uh, a terrorist or just kind of not flattering to the state in general. Um, and we're going to expand that into every single person he's had contact with since he had these views, and we're going to investigate those people as well. Yeah. So don't don't think it's you know sounds good in theory of like well why wouldn't they investigate people here? We have bad people here in America, and it's like yeah, but they're investigating 
everybody and not always investigating people who are the worst people. They're, they're people, they uh, miss a lot of people who they get heads up about who become mass shooters. They never seem to catch those people. You know who they do catch are people who violate federal tax laws. They're really good at catching those people. Uh-huh. <laughs> the important, the real criminals. Um, <laughs> I'd also like to point out the uh, uh, Contel Pro, which is a counterintelligence program uh, abbreviation, which is essentially a series of covert and illegal project projects actively conducted by the FBI aimed at surveilling, infiltrating, discrediting, and disrupting domestic American political organizations. Uh, and this is not crazy theory these are things that have been disclosed that have yeah been this yeah <laughs> this is yeah this is no longer the realm of conspiracy theory there's there's documents to back all of this stuff up that we we know that the fbi actively targeted especially during you know the cold war this is this, this is the time period that we're talking about this is the cold war mm-hmm. we're worried about the communists right because the communists have have put up the iron curtain in Europe and the Chinese have beat the, the the Chinese communists have beat the nationals. And now those guys are in Taiwan and they're in control of China. And now that North Korea and South Korea, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on and it doesn't justify the actions of this organization, but the context is important to at least note because they are worried about the communist party and its associations with anti-war um, movements and civil rights movements. And then where does that get to you? That gets you into the Black Panthers and environmentalists right. and all of these people now who are just trying to, like, I I think the state's kind of shitty and I'd like you guys to do a little bit better. It's like, nope, enemies of the state. We must watch you. Yep. Yep. And then just to your point there, they, it's put in place by people who are looking for, hey, we have this terrifying foreign power that we know is sending agents over here trying to infiltrate us. Uh, so we may have to do some sketchy things in order to fight those people. But what they end up fighting are, you know, Matt mentioned a couple of them. Uh, they have been documented for targeting feminist groups, uh, Communist Party. Okay, that sounds like a bad one. Anti-Vietnam War organizations. <laughs> or how about this one? Anybody who's been anti-war since then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, civil rights movement, Black Panther movement, environmentalists, animals rights. We went through all these. Uh, you know, and, then, and there's some like you know, the KKK is on there. Like, okay makes sense that you're investigating these crazy people but they're also targeting people like martin luther king and malcolm x and <laughs> malcolm x is one of my favorite ones because they didn't care about malcolm x when malcolm x was militant and about the exact same time he started kind of preaching messages of inclusion which is kind of what matthew and i talk about a lot on here that when we're fighting left and right we're missing the real argument here that is who are the people actually oppressing you it's the oligarchical class the people that are running this government and when he started spe- preaching that message he got whacked in a hurry. They didn't need Malcolm X around anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because at that point, Malcolm X is just, and that's the, and that's the, that's the, the funny thing about American and our relationship with with black people. We love like Americans say like modern Americans like oh, well, especially white uh, modern Americans like oh, we we love black people until they get guns. And now, and now, now we now we don't like we don't like black people so much anymore at that point. And that's just that's kind of the the un it's, it's just the unfortunate reality of it because you know like these militant groups, um, it's they they thought that it was a very real threat. And no, I mean, there's I actually want to get into the black panthers a little bit later, so I'll just talk <laughs> sure. right now. Well, I, and I just wanted to to kind of give an idea of what Co Intel Pro uh, was alleged of including in their nefarious activities. Um, and of course, they had discrediting targets through psychological warfare, smearing individuals or groups using uh, forged documents or planning false reports in the media, 
harassment, wrongful imprisonment, illegal violence, including assassination, uh, Malcolm X. Uh, and of course, uh, their motivation for all of this was protecting national security, mm-hmm. the greater good. Yeah. And it, it's crazy, too, because a good chunk of the FBI's history is under one dude, and it's J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, he <laughs> it, it, there's, he's one of those people that has a disproportionate impact on American politics and policies and the happenings of this country. And he does not get nearly enough, like, um, credit in, in, in a bad way. Right. Like he's like, somehow he just gets like skirt through all of this, but he was the, he was the director of the FBI from 1924 to 1972, 48 years. (laughs) He was in charge of that because it was, he's kind of, uh, he's almost like our own Vladimir Putin. I mean, 48 years, that is a long time for one person to be in charge and a lot of the things, like a lot of the shitty things that the FBI does, especially after World War II, right? I mean, like the FBI is involved in uh, locating and helping facilitate the internment of Japanese Americans on the on the West Coast, right? Other, aka concentration camps of Japanese Americans. That's what that's what it is, you know. And it's like the FBI is that's very, a word we use when the bad guys do it, Matt. Yeah, right. Now it's now it's just kids in cages. Um, right. I was just about to say the same joke. <laughs> we change change the words to make it more palatable. Yeah, it's, the, they're not they're not cages. They're just there. hard hard sided uh, hard sided structures <laughs> that they can't leave. But it's not a cage. <laughs> no, and and that's the thing is like this this man is going to be at the head of the FBI through pretty much all of the terrible things that the FBI does through the internment of Japanese Americans, through the spying of Americans, through the assassination of several black uh, black people, uh, p- political movement leaders. It's like this is all at the helm of one person. And interestingly enough, he gets to just kind of skirt through all of this. And after his tenure of 48 years, then they change the law that an FBI director can only serve for 10 years after the fact. It's like, cool. I wonder if that had anything to do with his uh, successful presidential run after that. <laughs> like, oh, maybe he was able to pave the way pretty nicely for his political career when we gave him 50 years to form the way government works. Did he run for president? I didn't know Hoover ran for president. Was Hoover not a president? Uh, not that I... Hoover. Oh, have I got the wrong Hoover? You got a wrong Hoover. Oh, excuse me. Wow. Made yeah, yeah no, you got, you got the wrong Hoover, bro. <laughs> All right. My apologies. I didn't read enough there. Uh, but uh, anyway, let's get into, into Hoover and, and some of his involvement in this. I, I found an interesting story about Viola uh, Liuzzo. Uh, she was a white civil rights worker who was murdered by KKK members. Uh, they gave chase to her because they saw her with a young black man in the front of her car. And, uh, you know, KKK is not super cool with having uh, associations between the races there. So they essentially they take, take chase to her down the street. They shoot her. Uh, I think they killed both individuals. Um, so where the story then has the FBI come in is one of these Klansmen, Gary Thomas Rowe, was an acknowledged FBI informant. So you can see the awkward situation the FBI's put in mm-hmm. now. To take any action would be to sacrifice your asset in the field. Um, so, well, the FBI found a way around this, of course. Uh, and the good agents uh, sprung into action to spread rumors that uh, Miss Viola uh, was a member of the Communist Party, that she was a heroin addict, and that she had abandoned her children to have sexual relationships with African Americans involved in the civil rights movement. Gasp. Oh, terrible woman. Uh, this was actually FBI records show that J. Edgar Hoover 
personally communicated these ins- <laughs> insinuations to President Johnson. Uh, so <laughs> just straight up, this has been disclosed. That's exactly how the FBI handled this, this awkward situation. Uh, they decided to cover their asses to maintain that asset in the field rather than deal with the KKK murdering a white woman in the civil rights movement. Yeah, and it's it's amazing what it's amazing what apparatus um, and organizations will do to justify their own behavior or to just kind of like slip things under the rug, right? Um, oh, well, yeah, sure, we did some shitty things, but it needed to happen. And so, yeah, we'll give you immunity or we'll just sweep this under the rug or just make sure that that goes away. Um, it, it's amazing how much that happens, especially during this time. And that's the thing about the FBI that, um, you know, I have a white pill to share with you guys at the end of this, but um, that's the, the thing about the FBI. It blows my mind that so many people just revere this as an, as an organization that's for the good of the people. And like, well, goodness, like what would, like how would the FBI ever catch child pornography people if the FBI didn't run a child pornography ring? You know, it's like, 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 thank God that we caught those people from the FBI running a child porn website. Like, oh, I'm so glad that we caught those people, you know, and it's our uh, uh, how many times like the shoe bomber who tried to light his shoelaces on fire is basically the FBI goaded a guy with an IQ less than 70 into becoming a terrorist so that they could justify their own means. Meanwhile, at the same time, the Boston bombing happened. Mm, Yeah, guys walked in there and exploded bombs. They and they. We're too busy. They had uh, their resources were being used otherwise because they they definitely had one they could catch over here because they created him. So they knew they were going to catch that guy. <laughs> yeah, and th- even though like, he served zero threat to any Americans just a year before, he was just some idiot. <laughs> and that's there's an awful lot. I mean, we didn't even add any of this in our episode prep. But we could go on a long tangent of all of these modern mass shootings and happenings and how. What's it's like? What's the there's the Simpson meme where they like say the say the line bar and he's like the shooter was known to the FBI and the whole mm-hmm. class yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is amazing how many of those and and just how grotesque the way they justify their own budget by creating these terrorists out of no I mean and again you look into these stories I mean these kids are typically they're certainly susceptible to being radicalized but it's because they're just distraught in life and typically mentally not capable of seeing through horseshit. And they're just getting co-opted by much smarter uh, people who are trying to justify their own jobs in government law enforcement. <laughs> yep. That's, that's exactly it. And so another one of, one of the, one of my favorite um, unfortunate stories of the FBI is the murder of Fred Hampton. And that's one of those that a lot of people don't know of. It kind of slips under the radar because we have like the more famous ones of Waco and Ruby Ridge and other things and other shitty things the FBI did. But but in short, right, so Fred Hampton was the deputy chairman of the National Black Panther Party and the chair of the Illinois chapter. Um, so he ends up kind of on the opposite side of the political spectrum from us as he's a Marxist Leninist, but he's also dedicated to, you know, fighting fascism, which we can appreciate, right? Cause like the, the first anti-fascist were a bunch of Soviets, um, marching on Berlin. So, you know, you, you, can, you can give a little bit of credit where it's due, but, um, in 1967, he was identified by the FBI as a radical threat and a counterintelligence operation was started to sow disinformation and divide black progressive groups like we we're talking about earlier. So the FBI director, J. Edgar Hoover, was determined to prevent the formation of a cohesive black movement in the United States. He was placed, you know, on the- protecting the public for the greater good. Absolutely. 
And in na- in the name of public good, he was placed on the Bureau's <laughs> Agitator Index. Um, and I, you guys, I'll link this. You should look at the Agitator Index. And um, he was, I just love the term, <laughs> the Agitator, Agitator Index. And he was uh, placed on that as a key militant leader. And so then, you know, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's like, like, I mean, every every time we do these kind of kind of free or big synopsis episodes. I could do like a whole episode of just like Fred Hampton and all of the inner workings of it because it deserve it could it could be an hour long <laughs> show in itself. We, in fact, haven't we we did exactly that about Waco. We may have even done it about Ruby Ridge. Oh uh, we, we did a full episode about Waco it. already. <laughs> yeah. Um and so uh you know so glossing over quite a bit of you know pretty interesting historical stuff. Um Enter William O'Neill, who was recruited by the Chicago field office of the FBI in exchange for having some felony charges of interstate car theft and impersonating a police officer. He agreed to infiltrate the Black Panthers. So, you know, once again, glossing over an awful lot of this counterintelligence operation, we're eventually led to the point where um, O'Neill provides a detailed map of Fred Hampton's apartment to the FBI, the Cooks County Sheriff and the Chicago police. You know, there's an awful lot of stuff that we're just going to, you know, there's a sifting over a large swath of really interesting stuff here. (laughs) On the morning of December 4th at 4 a.m., a heavily armed police team arrived at the site, and at 4.45 a.m., they stormed the apartment. Fred Hampton had been drugged by O'Neill at a late dinner that they ate that night around 12 a.m. with a heavy barbiturate. He had been drugged so that he would not wake up during the raid. The police breached the apartment and shot and cl- killed Mark Clark, who was on security detail. There are two, so there's two stories, and I think it doesn't really matter which one's true. Uh, one of them that he's on guard duty in a chair and the police murder him in the chair, or the other that he's at the door and the police murder him at the door. But regardless, uh, Mark Clark gets killed by the police in the as they breach this room. He fires one shot into the ceiling as a reflex as a reflexive death convulsion. Um, you know, movement, you know, it's like, oh, I've been shot, I got a shotgun, bam. So this is the only shot that is fired by the Black Panthers for the entire raid. Keep that in mind. That's going to come, it's going to be important later. So the police then enter the room, thanks to this very nice detailed map led, uh, drawn out by um, Mr. O'Neill, where Mr. Hampton was sleeping with his girlfriend who was nine months pregnant. They removed her from the room and then they executed Fred Hampton, who was still sound asleep. According to Hampton's supporters, the shots were fired. The shots fired were pointed at his head. One of the survivors of the event heard an officer say, "He's good and dead now." Hampton's body was drugged, was dragged into the doorway of the bedroom and left in a pool of his own blood. Officers then began shooting up the apartment, wounding several Black Panthers, and then arresting them after on charges of aggravated assault and attempted murder. So. <laughs> Just to package all of this, the FBI has an informant draw a map of a militant Black Panther leader. And interestingly enough, in a memo, really soon before this raid, one of those things that we gloss over, um, the, 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 the special agent in charge of the, Sa- of the San Francisco office sends a memo to the special agent in charge of the Chicago office talking about the Black Panthers. And the special agent in charge in San Francisco says the Black Panthers have a, you know, paraphrasing. It's like there's a small amount of like 
militant activity, but the best that we've been able to discern about their activities is they're feeding a lot of black children. That's kind of, you know, it's like, yeah, sure, they carry guns around and they make a they make white America, you know, very uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, they're feeding a bunch of black kids. That's kind of what we've been able to decipher of like any sort of discernible movement that they're doing. And they disregard this. And so the FBI then drugs this man and executes him in his sleep and then shoots up the rest of the apartment, critically wounding. I think the rest of the guys actually survived, except uh, Mark Clark, who's killed on the breach, and Fred Hampton. But those guys are also severely, um, severely right. and then charged, charged. And then charged all those guys. They they went into a room. They shot a man on entry. Presumably, everybody was already inside this apartment. I doubt they came in after the FBI breached it. They probably weren't letting people in. So there's a number of people in there already who didn't retaliate at that time because they were able to walk to the back bedroom, remove his nine-month pregnant girlfriend, and shoot him in the head, drag him into the doorway, and then they shot everybody else. <laughs> so at that point, it's like, what are you supposed to do? You just watched them execute a guy in front of you. Are you not a little afraid of your own life at that point? I, I would think I'd be a little bit itchy to get out of that room. I might yeah. try to try to bust through the door and, and then you get shot and you get accused of uh, attempted murder of police officers. <laughs> Indeed. But interestingly enough, right? So they're all arrested. They're all indicted by a grand jury. And then they're all tried. All of them are then... Um, they are uh, found not guilty on all of those charges because later in the trial, the, co the cops claim that the Black Panthers were the first to fire and fired several shots. But a thorough investigation found that the Chicago police fired between 90 and 99 rounds in the apartment. And the only shot fired by the Black Panthers was the one when Mark Clark was shot. There we go. They're perfect. The F this is and this is the FBI, right? This is the sacrosanct um, organization that when Merrick Garland gets up and says, "How dare you question the integrity of of these agents and officers?" It's like, oh yeah, yeah. the same the same yeah. organization that, that <laughs> domed the black dude in the head. Yeah, yeah sure, this is fine. And, shut up the rest. and just think about the again to bring it back to exactly what I just said. I know I'm repeating myself, but think about the time between that. They breached the room and shot this man. That happened quick because you don't leave a guy with a gun in a room you're breaching. No, yeah. So that happened right guy. away. They then walked to the back bedroom who I got to imagine the girlfriend heard a gun go off probably. I think she was, drugged, she was drugged as well. Uh, okay. Okay. So maybe it wasn't easier lead. We're still talking though. You grab a person, you get them out of the room, you shoot a person, you drag them. We're talking about 15, 20 seconds yeah, <laughs> of, yeah. of, of nobody retaliating. And then they still all got shot up. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, and that's that's what you know, and that's a very. I mean, for all those interested, um, maybe one of these days we'll do a spinoff where we just do. And like, please, the, the reason you see us hemming and hawing and trying not to get on the rabbit trails is because we have a different point to this episode, and though we want to talk about all these things in depth, we're trying not to really dive down without just giving you guys the facts. So, real quickly, to do Waco and Ruby Ridge, just to, to breeze over them, even though we mentioned them. Uh, if you don't know about these, these are probably the two prime examples. Please look up. Waco, uh, the Branch Davidians there at Waco and their complex and the Ruby Ridge events. Um, Waco, essentially 1993, the FBI and the U.S. Mil uh, military led a siege on the Branch Davidians complex for 51 days, eventually burning down the building, killing 76, including 26 children, burned crispy alive, extra crispy. Uh, wow. Ruby Ridge, um, the FBI Interesting. Agent interestingly enough, though, before you move on, I was talking yeah. with somebody and I can't uh, can't betray any any names or former affiliations but this person 
was t- talking to me about Waco um, and talking about the fact that, uh, that uh, you know, the FBI doesn't have tanks, do they? So how all of a sudden does, how are there tanks on American soil being deployed, right? How are there, you know, and this person alluded to the fact that uh, there were, you know, that one, the DOD is actually operating. Um, they are then a- a- attached to the FBI. I think they call it a, uh, a, spe- a special field promotion or a special field attachment, one of those two, where now all of a sudden they took, they took DOD and they took special forces. And attack, and all of a sudden, it's like you guys are FBI now, and so, let's- which is just a cute way to be like, here are the parameters of your organization. But if you need extra weapons or to do things you're not supposed to do, you just sign one of these affidavits saying that you're you're working in conjunction with that's this it. other organization. No, that's that's exactly <laughs> it. It's like we're just going to attach you to the FBI because yep. the FBI doesn't have tanks. The FBI doesn't have crack Delta Force sniper teams. But all of a sudden, those things end up there at Waco. You know, checks and balances. Indeed. Because then, yeah, because thank God for checks and balances, because without checks and balances, how will we ever have tanks deployed in Waco, Texas and and burning, burning uh, 26 children to death? Like, thank God for checks and balances. (laughs) So also Ruby Ridge, we mentioned a lot, which uh, we just passed the 30th year anniversary. So a little golf clap for Ruby Ridge, 30 years, (sighs) FBI, keep up the good work. Uh, This is a gentleman, Randy Weaver was uh, approached by, an FBI, I don't think it was actually an FBI agent. I think the FBI took over afterwards, but he, he was approached by a government agent asking him to sell him a sawed off shotgun, which he, I, I believe, agreed to sold him one that was not quite illegal. And he went back and asked him for another one that was shorter. Yes, so that, that is correct. He made, did make him an illegal shotgun then, uh, in which case then they're like, hey, you're a felon. You have to come to court. And, and he goes, fuck that. I'm not coming to court. He's also... Very strange religious elements with both of these stories, of course. But, hey, you have the right to pursue whatever religion you want in this country. That's kind of the point of it, uh, separation of church and state. Um, so the FBI did the only logical thing. They uh, shot his dog, his son, and his wife uh, while she was holding their infant child uh, yeah. to get him to comply with government gun laws because he had the audacity to sell a gun to an undercover agent that was running a sting operation. The, and that's the crazy – like his son is killed in the woods – the son and the dog are killed in the woods um, when agents are moving on to the property. And so I think the son's 14, I want to say. So so yeah. the teenage son gets killed while the FBI is moving in to actually execute this, you know, arrest warrant. And then, yeah, and they end up like the a sniper actually ends up uh, shooting the wife while she holds while it. she's standing in the doorway with an infant child with an yeah. infant child you can the pictures are it's yeah and this this is it though this is this is the, the this is the the good old fbi that how dare you question the integrity of my agents we we work in the, the good of <laughs> yeah yeah sure. how dare yeah that that garland quote just made me go like he channeled how could his, you possibly have the audacity to say he that he channeled his inner like greta thunberg how dare you how dare you <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I thought when I was listening to that because I, I I watched that press conference live and it's just like yeah way to channel your your fucking inner 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 Greta dude. Also, just an asinine thing to say about any government where the whole 
idea of our government is having this checks and balances, which obviously aren't working very good, but then to stand up and be like, how dare you think about looking into what we're doing and saying that we might be doing something. Is that the whole fucking point of the system of checks and balances is to make sure that none of these systems get out of control and start doing these disgusting things and Mm -hmm. to sit there and wag your finger at the people that want to look into it. Like, Oh, you, you're not a real American like me for not trusting these gigantic government organizations that murder children. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Keep on going. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, let's quickly run through these because I want to have some time to get to the Mar-a-Lago there. Um, there was some interesting 1996 campaign finance controversy where the a Chinese uh, agents had been seeking direct contributions um, to the DNC. Uh, and the the FBI, you know, this is one of the things they were formed for. This is great. This is this is what the FBI is here for political corruption. So this is their bread and butter right here. Uh, well, unfortunately, they were basically sidelined in the investigation. Uh, FBI agent Daniel Weir told Congress that, quote, the first head U.S. attorney in the investigation, Laura Ingersoll, told the agents that we should they should not pursue any matter related to soliciting, excuse me, related to solicitation of funds or access to the president. The reason given, that's the way the American political system works. <laughs> and I was scandalized by that, end quote. <laughs> they basically <laughs> told him, hey, no, we're not. This is above your pay grade. <laughs> this is the thing uh, we talked when we'll get into that with the Mar-a-Lago thing later, where they uh, one of the parts is like disqualifying Trump from it. And the the main argument against it is basically just like, well, when you get to a certain level of power, the laws don't really apply to these people anyway, <laughs> which is kind of what we're saying here. Like your job is to look into political corruption unless it's my corruption as the person who appoints you and, and rules over you. And then in which case you can go fuck off and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Fantastic. Uh, they also, Fantastic. also, we are all probably familiar with the Whitey Bulger case. Um, again, the guy in organized crime, he was uh, an informant for the FBI, and they're happy to overlook all of his criminal activities along the way as long as he continues to rat out the uh, political family they were more interested in. Um, in 94, they decided they were done with him, and they went to arrest him on racketeering charges, at which case uh, John J. Connolly, his handler in the uh, FBI previously, who I think was no longer with the FBI at that time, Tips him off to it. Um, he gets convicted for tipping Bulger off and letting him get away. But then he later gets sentenced <laughs> for convicting and helping plan the murder of John B. Callahan, who is one of Bulger's direct rivals. So, again, you have this this instance where the FBI is literally murdering <laughs> organized crime people so that the person who's their informant in the organized crime can move up in it uh, and create now, you know. Nobody knows who John B. Calhoun Callahan is. I, yeah. I didn't even say his name right that time, but we all know Whitey Bulger because <laughs> he's terrorized this nation for decades at the behest of the FBI. Um, the uh, Mr. Connolly, who uh, was the handler for the FBI, who got in trouble for this, he he did get off on a technicality, but it still stands that he did murder him. He just got off on a technicality for this case. <laughs> uh, we also got uh, the the incident of Robert Hansen was the last one I wanted to bring up, which was in 2001. The FBI announced that special agent Robert Hansen had been arrested for spying for the Soviet Union and then for Russia from 1979 to 2001. Uh, it was described as possibly the worst intelligence disaster in U.S. history. Uh, I find this interesting because we talk about banning TikTok because Oh, if those damn Chinese communists get a hold of your information from your phone, think of the security risk it could be. They're just siphoning up all of our information. What a terrible – bet the FBI has got some more juicy surveillance stuff in it than my phone does because of TikTok. Well, not yeah, my phone, I was, but 
uh, absolutely people, people who watch tiktok around me <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no it's so true and, and this this concept of just you know that that we're going to condone crimes as long as you're helping us get what we want and then as yep. soon as you're no longer useful to us then we're going to get you for all of these crimes and i've never heard of robert hansen so i'm curious as to say i'm curious what to you know it's like uh why they described it as the worst intelligence disaster in U.S. history? Was he working for the? Uh, you know, it's was. Well, I guess he was he, an he was an FBI agent for thirty years, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and he was just feeding information. I mean, the just the fact that you have to go. He was spying for the Soviet Union and Russia, and for Russia. <laughs> no, he went through two different governments that he's been spying for because they completely dissolved the first one. <laughs> mm, no, that's that's really interesting. It's amazing too how like little. I don't know, these organizations, as much money as they spend and as much terror as they try to create, it's kind of sometimes laughable how bad they are at their jobs, right? There's the there's the really good Lex Friedman podcast episode where the with the Soviet spy, and I cannot think of his name. Um, but he was a KGB he was uh so he was a German, he was a German KGB I'm, agent. I'm gonna guess Vladimir. Nope. Um Since that's no, that was I'll just look, a joke because that's like John Smith over there. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, he, was, uh, he was a German. Know? Yeah, he was a German that ended up like living in America, spying for the Soviet Union for a very long time, and then the FBI like finally caught on to him after he had already like burned himself from Soviet Russia and was on the run. You know, it's like after he was done spying, done spying. and was and was several years <laughs> and into, made like his made wealthy. Life, <laughs> yeah, after he was like several years into his normal life, that's when the FBI got like a little tip. And then that's when they went and, you know, found all the irregularities with him. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't hear he is. Here's a spy. Been here for 25 years. Fantastic. He's, we found the 78 year old spy. <laughs> you know, he was old. Yeah, he was definitely in his, he, he was in his 60s at this point. You know, 60s, it's like, 70s. His, this dude already his dude already retired from spying. He's no longer an active spy, but we got it. Not not just I got out of it. I aged out of the spying program, and then they found out of it years later because I was doing podcasts. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's let's now move into uh, kind of the current events in this Mar-a-Lago raid down there uh, of, of Trump's estate. Um, I did want to point out that all this kind of revolves around the Espionage Act of 1917, uh, which came in right around World War One. Uh, the idea being, you know, hey, we're at a world war. We need to make sure that we have all the right people in internment camps and, and make sure all the anti-war activists are locked away. Um, so this has been, even in its creation, it was pretty grotesque because it was definitely like anybody who's against the war effort is going to get prosecuted under this. Um, some other notable names are Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, Chelsea Manning, uh, and there's a whole list of other anti-war advocates as well as whistleblowers against the state. So this mm-hmm. this thing that's supposed to be like, hey, this is to strengthen the war effort. That's why we're passing this. Primarily gets used to bury people who bring war crimes committed by the U.S. Empire to the surface. Right, and the whole point of the act, it was intended to prohibit interference with military operations, to prevent insubordination in the military, and to prevent the support of the U.S.'s enemies during wartime. But the Which thing sounds about great it, like, until that right the, but the it's 2022. U.S. interest, yeah, it's, but <laughs> yeah, it's 2022. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like I don't, like who is like who is the enemy at this point? Um, they, yeah, it's it just people makes you release yeah. information about how many children die in hospitals from drone bombs. That's who the enemy is. It is though, and that's the thing. Where it's like when you start to 
when they start to prosecute these people, if, um, you know, if like what Edward Snowden and Julian Assange and Chelsea Manning and other people did with the, I can't remember who released the Pentagon Papers, um, but if they were prosecuted under the Espionage Act, the natural conclusion of that is that you and I are the enemy, right? Because what did they do? They gave information to us, the general public, and the United mm-hmm. States government prosecuted them for that. And those people are in exile or they are in jail because of it. So the natural conclusion is that if they gave enemy, if they're if they're prosecuted under the Espionage Act, then we, the American people, are the enemy that they gave information to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And the reason we're bringing this up is because this is specifically uh, what's being used kind of to justify the the warrant of the, the Trump estate there. Um, and it, specifically, there's been a lot of people pointing to this uh, 18 U.S. Code 2071, uh, which is conceal concealment removal or mutual uh, mutilation. mutilation generally. Excuse me, I cannot talk today. Um, and then under Section B of this, uh, it says... Whoever having the custody of any such record, proceeding, map, book, document, paper, or other thing, which is my favorite part. <laughs> or other thing. I love or, or other, other thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> or anything else I decide it is. Or moment. other thing. I, I love <laughs> or other thing. <laughs> I, I just like that they take the time to put eight things down and then go, oh, or anything else I invent later. <laughs> uh, excuse me. To continue the quote, uh, willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, falsifies, or destroys the same, shall be fined under the title or imprisoned for not more than three years or both, and here's the big part, and shall forfeit their his office. Uh, it says his because this is back before we let ladies participate, I, th- I assume. Uh, and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. So a lot of people are speculating that the reason the FBI wants to raid Mar-a-Lago is because for some reason... They don't think that the most popular president in U.S. history, Joe Biden, could win another presidential election uh, or that if he has had his stroke by then that Kamala Harris won't be able to pull it off. Um, And I think that's probably what a lot of this is. Now, there's some hemming and hawing back and forth. I do want to point out and we included an article or two where they're saying that this wouldn't actually disqualify him. There's some weird language around like, oh, it would have to go to a a contest of his election uh, candidacy that they would have to be raised and that it would actually not hold up. Um, I forget the exact woman's name. Uh, McQuaid and it was a, a UCLA professor. Um, she said it could apply to other offices, such as attorney general of the United States. If Donald Trump were to be convicted and then run for president, someone would have to challenge his eligibility. I believe that challenge would fail under this statute. Uh, and specifically they're talking about the congressional, uh, the three congressional What's the word I'm looking for? Qualifications to become president, which is yet to be 35 years of age. Constitutional qualifications. Um, the constitutional qualifications. Um, she's saying those would supersede that, but I think that's kind of a bad argument. Uh, and again, she's a lawyer at UCLA, and I am a dickhead podcaster. But the, <laughs> the argument was was basically like, well, because these are the three requirements, nothing else can supersede that. But to me, it's like, well, then what's the point of all these mm. federal, you know, unless it comes down? And they did point out. Uh, we have had precedents for this uh, in Hillary Clinton. Remember when she wiped a bunch of email servers and left a bunch emails. of documents down the toilet? <laughs> so she she cited that and been like, and that's why that didn't happen. I think the part that's overlooking on that is I think these other statutes to disqualify you from running for office do apply unless your last name's Clinton or Clinton Bush. Or, or, or not Trump. 
I think it's in a, if you're not as long Trump. as your last name's not Trump. And that's exactly. And a lot of people were saying that, like, well, all you guys are acting like this is going to disqualify him, but it doesn't disqualify the people who've always been in charge of this country and the oligarchical class. It's like, yeah, but they're trying desperately to make sure he doesn't run again. And I think that's really what this is, which is, I mean, essentially is kind of a weaponization of the legal system against Trump. I know that's his words and Trump saying a lot of bombastic, stupid things, but he's not wrong on that one. As he always does. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the and that's the problem with Donald Trump. It's like, you know, he says a lot of bombastic, idiotic and like outright lies. But then occasionally, like he gets to slip in something that is like, oh, oh, there, there, there is the truth. But it's hard to convince other people of that one truth when there's all this evidence against oh, it. Right? Like when he's when he actually thing. when he let slip that, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're we're staying in Syria because of the oil. Every, you know, the deep stage is like, oh, he, he's, he said the quiet part out loud. But it's like, oh, there we go. Like anybody who's been paying attention goes, oh, yeah, right. yeah, of course, he's that's right. why you're staying in Syria. Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for just acknowledging it for us. You know, it's like, I, yeah, can- I don't I don't necessarily believe this is true, but I think there is something to the thought that like Trump is maybe more honest than he gets credit for. And he <laughs> does have access to this information. So every once in a while, it does slip out. But he's also seem at least reportedly has the attention span of a goldfish and can't be <laughs> made to read any documents that don't have his name for every fifth word. So it's like he he has this information and he's letting some of it slip, but he's also just saying the wrong shit a lot <laughs> and just completely off and saying things that are uh, very hyperbolic, if not straight out false. That would yeah, he doesn't strike me as like a, uh, excuse me, he doesn't strike me as a uh, studious reader. You know, like I, I have a hard time seeing like like Donald Trump like waking up and reading his presidential briefs and and going yeah, to bed yeah. and and you know it's like reading reading grand strategy of of Metternich and you know the old uh, you know great great statesman's work and stuff like that. It's just like Fox News said bad things about me today. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody reads books anymore. Books are for pansies. Yeah, it's uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely definitely a, an interesting it's, character Donald Trump has turned yeah, out. Yeah, and be. and this is one of those things that there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation, but what we know at the time of this recording, which is Thursday afternoon, the Justice Department has filed a um father redacted version of this affidavit it used to justify the search of former president Donald Trump's house. Um and now it's going to be left up to the judge to decide whether to make the document public. Um, and so they're so that you know they filed to unseal the redacted version. Um, so this affidavit essentially provides a detailed justification for the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago, which the DOJ wrote, quote, serves as a roadmap to the government's ongoing investigation into the doc- documents that were stored at the property. That's like I, I I doubt that we will ever see like the unredacted version because I think it just starts to complicate a lot of things. I think it I mean, starts it, to I think it starts it was, to get uh, to really like the, the Kennedy document was a big one that we all couldn't wait to be declassified. Yeah, and it's just like and it got declassified, but half of it's blacked half out. Half of it's blacked out, and, and you're never going to know. And and there is the art. Like I can understand um, the the precedence that the FBI doesn't want to set is any time that there's a high profile, you know, granted, this is kind of unprecedented, right? Like a former president home has never been raided and had documents um, seized from the property. Granted, we're in like kind of new territory, but I can understand the FBI not really wanting to, you know, spill the tea on all of the information that they have, how they gathered it. You know, it might dissuade uh, future witnesses, 
in the you know uh, because mm-hmm. like oh yeah like why would I cooperate with you guys if if the public's outraged yeah, yeah. yeah if the public's outraged you guys are gonna you know release the unredacted right. affidavit. Now I'm, I have to fly over Middle America for the rest of my existence because I can't be seen in MAGA country now. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> yeah, because you guys. So I can I can understand um, at least kind of that reasoning. And the U.S. Magistrate Ju- uh, Judge Bruce E. Reinhardt, who was actually appointed by uh, Trump and confirmed by the Senate on March 14th, 2018, has agreed not to unseal the full unredacted uh, affidavit, but has noted the redactions very well might be so extensive that they don't justify unsealing. The the affidavit <laughs> which is exactly what we just said but he went also, looked at it he went there yeah. ain't shit to read anyway right he's like i guess up. like i guess <laughs> it's like can get some- mar-a-lago trump's estate three paragraphs later <laughs> <laughs> looking for documents blackout 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 information provided by blackout blackout, blackout, blackout. <laughs> yeah and it's, it's like, just okay. the, it's the beginning stages of an ad lib every time they release something <laughs> you pretty much just got like the boilerplate language of, of like a of like a contract pronoun what you get yeah right <laughs> inter adverb here <laughs> that, that's exactly it inter political like, candidate you don't like here <laughs> <laughs> but he also did emphasize that, quote, the, in, the intense public and historical interest in an unprecedented search of a former president's resident might justify releasing a redacted document. Now, granted, he did not say, like, we're going to release the unredacted document because I don't think that we're ever going to see that. I think that that's just uh, like if you're hoping for that, uh, I don't know, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. It goes in the same filing cabinet that the Epstein flight log goes into, which is just an incinerator in the back. Just <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, all gone forever. Burn the documents. Oh, yeah, shame. It's like, <laughs> I thought we got rid of that incinerator years ago. <laughs> Nobody solved that filing cabinet shredder issue we have? Dang. Man, shocks. Keeps, keeps eating up hugely giant conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, and it's in this, this whole Mar-a-Lago raid, right? Like, I don't there's not enough details that we know about it to, I don't have, I, at least I haven't read enough conclusive evidence or facts presented to say as to like, why And we're only a week out. There's a lot of stuff still coming. Yeah. It's like, I think this raid happened on the, uh, the eighth. So yeah, we've had, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks, but still even then like a couple of weeks, isn't um, enough time for a lot of this stuff to, you know, really sift through. And, I'm sure we'll find out in a year, six months, couple years, right? Like eventually the story is going to get out, but that's like, that's the hardest thing to ever try to, you know, describe and to pin down is the human element of why, right? Like why does the DOJ do this? And, you know, but then also there's so much speculation about the contents, right? The Washington Post published a story on the 12th of August saying that they suspected that it was nuclear-related material, which is that's the boogeyman that gets all of the NPCs to go, this is fine. <laughs> you know, it's like ra- <laughs> raid the raid the compounds because if it's nuclear-related material, um, then goodness. But then it's also like if this is so pressing and you guys are so concerned that Donald Trump has this, why does the FBI wait three days to search the property on the 8th when the affidavit was signed on the 5th, right? If you guys are so freaking <laughs> concerned about nuclear-related material and documents in a safe, why wait three days? Right, And part of that might be uh, because I know, you know, part of this is you're supposed to, like, release the documents you have into the National Archive. And Trump has released 
the requested documents into the archive from what I understood up to this point. And then there was some, you know, who knows, maybe he was holding this one. Maybe this is what they've called for. We hadn't all got the entire story out on that. Yeah. But it sounded like he had kind of been releasing some of this stuff back to him. And then they kick in his front door to come get the rest of it real quick. Cause they want to go ahead and catch him with something. <laughs> and so at the very least, they didn't trust him to release what they wanted released. Um, and at the worst case scenario, they wanted to demonize him so that he can't run for president ever again. Yeah. And I mean, there's, I was talking with somebody who, you know, can't betray names or affiliations or anything, but I was talking with them up here about this and they, um, I was, I, I, I was coming from the conclusion, like, why would the DOJ, why would the DOJ risk doing something this inflammatory if they didn't have like some decent reason to actually do it? Cause I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a political expert. Um, I'm, I'm a lay person and my understanding of the, but you can talk to pretty much anybody that's been paying attention and know that this is a radically inflammatory action that that the right was going to react in a very um you know aggressive if not outright violent way against this and when i said that he goes what if that was the point right what if the whole point of the doj was the whole point of this raid was to inflame um right you know right wing america and to have somebody go do something stupid so then they can then act on all of that other material that they've been releasing internally about, hey, these are domestic terrorist organizations. And if they fly the Gadsden flag, then they're probably an anti-state terror, right? He's like, what if what if the whole point of this is only to inflame somebody from doing something stupid? So then you now have the pretext to really start doing what you want to do. And right. it, it's not – and. And unfortunately, it's kind of like now now you start to brush up in kind of those conspiratorial waters, right? Like if it, if it's a if it's a pool, we're on the shallow end of the pool. My ankles are wet, you know. Like well, I'm definitely we're definitely in the water now. But it's also not an outrageous realm. It's not an outrageous possibility. It's it's within the realm, of especially after we just rattled off eight examples of when they've done it in the past 30 oh, years. Exactly. And that's the, and that's the hard thing to kind of come to is that it's not, it's not outrageous to think like maybe, you know, maybe it was as simple as, you know, maybe we can kill two birds with one stone. Maybe we can get Donald Trump holding something that he's not supposed to have. So we can finally convict him for something so he can't run and we can put this whole like Trump ghost behind us as much as they'd love to. And maybe a couple of Americans will do something stupid and we can really start cracking down because what did homeboy do like the next day? Didn't somebody <coughs> uh, walk into the Cincinnati field office um, with fire with a firearm and then ended up in a shootout in a field? Um, that's uh, yeah. Let me find the details of this story. Um, right. And I, I think while you're looking that up, I mean, this is, kind of standard operating procedure when you come to these deep state organizations when they're doing this it doesn't sound all that radical uh that they would want to try to elicit a reaction i mean think about what we're looking at with january 6th uh think about if you look up the exact speech trump gave versus the speech that made it to mainstream media uh, about the people on january 6th i mean they are trying to very much so make it look like trump is the one who started this incident and, and inflamed it and maybe that's exactly what they're hoping for in this incident to your point that they want something to pop off there to be some kind of protest. There are already Trump supporters, a lot of MAGA hats outside of Mar-a-Lago right now protesting. Uh, what happens if they breach the building? You know, what if there's a little bit of lax in security for some reason that day at the Capitol, there weren't a lot of security guards on hand 
even though they knew this event was coming and they opened doors and unlocked them from the inside and a lot of videos and let people in the building. And now a lot of those people are terrorists. Now, it might be hard. Miss McQuaid might be correct from UCLA University that uh, even though I'm not smart enough to understand the argument, it didn't quite seem to hold up at my my reading of a small article I read online. She might be right. It might not disqualify him for this raid to happen uh, if they find documents, even the most damning of documents. But if somebody pops off and they decide Trump was the leader of a terrorist organization that attacked American soil, that might disqualify him from running for president again. Mm hmm. And, and it's not it's not and that's why i hate a lot of these things is now we start like it's like oh you know now it starts to kind of you sound almost like a little crazy listening to it but it's like no 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 no. i'm not the crazy one you you guys are the crazy See, ones that's the you problem guys yeah. are gaslighting you me you don't get to call this. me crazy if you don't have the receipts that i got because i sat down here and i i read about this shit and i put it in a fucking document and i yeah, included right? it in these show notes so if you're not going to go through and read all that and tell me why I'm wrong on all that, don't start calling me crazy. You don't get to just you don't get to just write off everything I've said as right. oh you're a crazy you're, conspiracy theorist. Your lack of research and intelligence does not disqualify my view because I read more than you. Exactly. Yeah, but that's unfortunately that's the the, the cold of ignorance that we live in in America. Mm -hmm. My opinion is just as good as your research. Well, I yes, feel exactly right. I feel I feel <laughs> this way. Well, I think and I feel. And it's like fuck your feelings. <laughs> My feelings um, hurt so bad. So and so interestingly enough, when I was searching for this, um, a different article came up, and I don't. And but now this is like this is from the Washington Examiner. But I like the way that this title it reads: Chicago FBI office rocked by security incident. And I was like, oh, what what is this? And so then it's like. And so the Chicago, the Chicago FBI field office, and this was published an hour ago, so this actually happened today. Um, the, uh, the Chicago FBI field office was rocked by security incident on Thursday, the latest scare affecting the Bureau amid concerns about increasing threats against federal law enforcement. A person jumped the Chicago office's fence and began throwing rocks at the building. <laughs> Better increase the budget. Federal Protective Services um, spokesman Robert uh, Sterling uh, Sperling confirmed to the Washington Examiner federal officers with the help of Chicago police took the person to a hospital for evaluation. I like the I like how they use it, but it's like you think that oh, like what happened? Chicago FBI office rocked by security incident. It's like homeboy literally rocked. And, but this is but this is what I was <laughs> looking for. This comes two weeks after the Ohio State Police uh, Ohio's State Highway Patrol exchanged fire with a man attempting to break into an FBI field office located in Cincinnati with a weapon. The man, Ricky Schiffer, 42, of Columbus, Ohio, was known to the FBI with a connection to the January 6th Capitol riots and ties to a far-right extremist group, according to ABC News 7. Well, thank God that ABC News 7 has reported on this. He was killed in a standoff. Out, um, he was killed in a standoff after leading law enforcement on a vehicle chase that lasted several hours. It ended up like in a, they they cornered him in like a cornfield, and I think that's kind of it. Because um, unfortunately, you don't stand to do well in a armed standoff with federal agents in a cornfield. Yeah, it's like you're not you're not doing good. But now this is why this is now I'm just going down the rabbit hole because now it's like FBI shooting man accused of attacking Ohio field office already known to authorities before attacks. What's interesting is the the reading of this article and the tone that they give it was a lot different than when this happened because um, I was listening to I can't remember what show I was listening to that kept like 
popping back in um, live feeds. I think it was Dan Abrams' show that the, the, that was happening on. And um, at that moment, they were all talking about how this man who has um, who's been in, who's being investigated for January sixth, though we don't think that this has any tie to this episode. Like they were saying that in that moment, right? It's like, well, I think he just like attacked the FBI field office. Or perhaps there was a large swath of people that went to a protest in the Capitol and under some nefarious situation, a lot of them were let into Capitol. And now a lot of them are going to terrorist jail for the rest of their lives. Yeah. At the behest of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And maybe he decided that <laughs> I'm going to be a terrorist pretty soon if I haven't already been labeled so. Yeah, these guys. You never know. It's this story again. You back somebody into a corner, even if you didn't, you know, I use the story all the time. If you bombed their dad, it turns them into a terrorist. You can also radicalize somebody pretty quick if you just keep backing them into a corner until the point they go, man, my only solution here is to fight. I'm going down. I might as well go down in a blaze of glory. Right. You're you're creating situations in this oppressive state where people don't, they, they run out of solutions or they run out of at least ideas in their own head of how to get out of this. And it's like, I might as well take some of those bastards with me while I go. Right. Yeah. It, and I'm not defending this guy. I don't know what this guy did. I don't know who he is. He could be a terrible human being. Yeah, I'm yeah sure, absolutely. sure he's a little bit unhinged if he went into an FBI office with a gun. But it's but, also, but all to that point, though, it's like, what's uh, what's homeboy that did the kill dozer? Um, I can't think of his name, but that's like, that was a guy that, and he even said, like, sometimes... Sometimes, like uh, the uh, paraphrasing, it's like sometimes the system pushes unreasonable unre- men to do unreasonable things, and that's it. So, like Marvin Hemeyer. That's it, because because uh, uh, Honoré Killdozer Day wasn't too long ago. It was sometime <laughs> sometime this month, I think. But but that's all right. I, I don't know about Ricky Schiffer or whatever Schiffer Schiffer. Yeah, is his name? I don't know. Right? Maybe he is a great a piece of shit. Right? But who knows? Maybe he was about to be unjustly condemned and his life is essentially yeah, ruined up until the events of january 6th he was prob he might have been an, uh, a morally reprehensible piece of shit who had never once gone to a government building for out of protest or threatened anybody with a gun <laughs> and when he was pushed into that situation by the pressures put on him by the fbi quite likely yeah and that's the thing it's like we just don't know um and it is interesting though to it's like yeah you just never know and i'm sure that we'll I'm sure that they'll dig up a bunch of things um, that can uh, that will be able that they'll be able to point and condemn him and say like, oh look, he was a white supremacist. He was tied to these anti-state militant groups, and you know, and yada yada and blah blah blah. And we're we'll just moving on, sweeping on the rug, moving on. But that would not, you know, <clears throat> and it's that me. old idea too of like, you know, there are there are things I think are morally reprehensible that are none of my business to regulate at the state level in my mind, because it's like, you know, just because I have a different moral view of how to live my life doesn't mean that person shares the same values, culture, religion that I do. Mm -hmm. So why is it my ability to oppress them into it? And when you start pressuring those people, you turn them into violent people. You can have your ignorant views over there in your corner. If you never do anything violent and never do anything to affect those people you hate, then who cares? You're, you're, Impact on the world was net zero, essentially, or maybe a negative one on the scale of 100 because you said some racist shit that hurt people's feelings and you probably taught a couple other white kids how to be racist coming up behind <laughs> you. But until you got pressured by the government, you didn't pick up that gun and go start murdering people. Right. Yeah. And that's it. And there's also there's there's an element of this. And like I said, we're not here to try to defend him. I'm not here to condemn nor condone 
any of these actions. We're just here to talk about them. But there's a, and I, I want to, this came from a cartoon and I cannot think what it, what cartoon it came from, but it, it's, uh, and it's one character talking to another and it said, um, the world pushed us, pushed us and pushed us. And as soon as we pushed back, they cried evil. Um, and I, and it, it, I know it came from a cartoon because when I heard the quote, I was like, that's some pretty deep shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, I was said in a cartoon. But then it's like, what? Like, what? Dude, SpongeBob! Some of these cartoons are getting pretty, pretty deep. But yeah, and that's that's the whole thing. And so we that was the point of this episode is to try to show you guys that the FBI, this actually I'd like to I would like to read this this full quote from Merrick Garland because we were on this earlier. And third. Let me address the recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and the Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and the women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Every day they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. Yeah, yeah, that same organization that we've just spent the last hour and a half outlining why they're terrible pieces of human garbage and why that entity is anathema to your freedom and liberty. I just hope, and I don't know the properties of, of different uh, jewelry, but can you scuff your pearls when you grasp them that quickly as <laughs> Mr. Garland did? Um, I think I, it depends. It depends if you use your She-Hulk strength. You might crush your pearls. <laughs> Attorney at law. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, yeah, it's just like, no, that is like some next level pearl clutching. Just like, oh my, like, I'm, how could you possibly heavens. be against this organization that's murdered children with fire? In just the past three decades, I'm, oh my God, to to say oh, that, yeah, yeah within okay. my life, you guys burned seven, 26 children alive in Texas in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, you guys, that's it. You guys have burned. You guys killed 76 people at Waco, including 26 children. You guys shot um, Randy Weaver's kid, his dog, and his and his wife. You guys shot Fred Malcolm X. You guys, yeah, the FBI was very influential in the murder you of Malcolm. Demonized X. the Martin book Luther King. out of Martin Luther King. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's and like, a lot of people. Now that one not yet proven, but a lot of people proven, speculate that's who killed Mr. King like, too. Like if it came out that the FBI assassinated Martin Luther King, would any of us be shocked? No, we'd be shocked. Just like none of us think... would be shocked if the if it comes out that the CIA killed John F. Kennedy. None that's of us exactly would. None of us would go like, oh my, we had, <laughs> we had no like, oh my my pearls. <laughs> but the integrity of the organization. Yeah. Oh, the, my pearls. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah that shame yeah and that's so that that's why we're here that's why we're here to talk about these things because the mainstream media and a lot of your statist and npc friends because you know despite our best efforts to try to convince everybody that the grass is greener in the liberty field there's a bunch of npcs and statist friends that we still love that um will still you know tune in to the nightly news to get their talking points for you the next day I know them, you know them, we all know them, but that's why we do these episodes is so that when somebody, well, Merrick Garland says this, it's like, yeah, well, Merrick Garland's the head of this organization and go listen to this episode <laughs> against the mob to see why the FBI is a piece of shit. That's right. And that's basically the last thing I wanted to say on this uh, this episode was uh, bring your receipts. You know, we talked about that. We sound like crazy people when we talk about this. The best way to not sound like a crazy person is to have these things ready. And it's annoying. 
but we are arguing against the state academic apparatus. It has taught these people that the U.S. government is good and that all these organizations are for your sake and it is for the, the safety of mankind and the progression of our society. And you have to come with your receipts. You got to have the the cited sources. Uh, you got to know the the names, the information. Um, you don't have to have it all memorized, but you should have it backlog, especially if you have conversations where people often you can't figure out how to to get them, get that thing ready, keep it in your cell phone or something. That way, when somebody goes like, that doesn't sound right. And go, Oh, look up this article uh, that's been released by the FBI. You can see exactly what they did here. Uh, please just, we have to open these eyes up because there are so many people. They're not bad people. Like we said, they think they're doing the, the greater good. They're going and they're voting every year. I'm a good citizen. I go and vote for which tyrant I have next so that it could be my voice at the top of the tyrannical spectrum. Uh, they just don't understand. They don't have their, their, their third eye open yet to what this really is. And they don't have any historical context because they don't give a fuck about it. They're watching the Kardashians. They're not watching historical stuff like me and Matt. They're not listening to Dan Carlin every day and, and going on YouTube videos to watch uh, generals and, and uh, oh, what is the name of that? Armies and generals, whatever the YouTube channel is really good historical YouTube channel that I'm not doing justice with plugging right now. Uh, but the, the reason we're in these deep waters is because we've read all this stuff and we've seen the patterns on the wall and we've seen the eternal growth of what is the government and how that is the most oppressive thing in our society. And it's up to us as freedom loving people to go out there and to spread that message and to actually get some of these NPCs to open their eyes. And in order to do so, you're going to have to have more evidence than they are because they're going to say the mainstream talking point. And unless that's challenged with better information, then there's nothing you can say. You can't just speculate on it. Your viewpoint's not going to outdo what Fox News and CNN said to me. So you have to actually have those receipts there with you in order to actually convince anybody. And you won't convince them. They'll walk away and never talk to you again is what will actually happen. But <laughs> they won't say you're a crazy person with any kind of validity because at least you had your receipts. Exactly. At least you can stand. And that's the and just to back the back up Logan's point, we are arguing against like it's not a we're we're not it's not a fair fight from the argument perspective. We don't get the luxury of starting from trying to argue for the status quo and the way that things have been for a long time. We are trying to argue for a better what we think is a better way to organize society for a better way for that's going to honor and respect the individual and personal, uh, personal and private property rights, all of those things that we hold near and dear to our hearts as liberty loving people. However, we don't have a fair start from the race. If this is a, if this is a hundred yard dash, they get to start at the 90 yard line and we get to start from zero and we have to shout at them from the back with our bullhorn trying to, <laughs> trying to, you know, as we try to catch up from them. And that's just kind of the reality of where we start. So well, I guess with all that said, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. If you have these statist friends that say, uh, you know, the FBI is good or the FBI would never do anything politically motivated to, you know, harm an, an individual, please send them our way. That's what we are here for. This is why we do this podcast. We are here to do a bunch of the legwork for you guys to do the research, to cite the sources and to put it into a somewhat cohesive, even though we meander quite a bit, you know, um, some sort of a cohesive form that anytime that these, uh, the, this topic comes up that you may send someone our way. Um, that's what we're here for. That's why we do it. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a five-star review because Lord knows we desperately need it. Logan and I would love to not have day jobs one of these days and, and do this <laughs> full-time so that we could do another episode on the fact that like student loans got canceled today. That's an that's entire right. episode in itself, but we don't have the, you know, the best we can do like 
a an episode every one or two weeks because we have real life. So if you would like us to do more episodes, the best way that you can start to support this show is to subscribe. Please tell a friend, share with somebody, engage with us, uh, give us a five-star review, help us up in that algorithm. That actually right. goes a we long need, way. We need y'all's help to promote us along the way because in order we don't for promote us to do ourselves. this full-time, we have to get big enough that we can sell out to some corporation and start preaching the state message. So we need to, to become a thorn in the side enough that we can uh, eventually sell out and, and spread <laughs> state propaganda all day. Yes. 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 Preach. Okay, now. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I think that's pretty much it. Go check out our sponsor, uh, Public Hangings for Pedophiles. They're doing some really dope work. That is ph-fp.com. Go buy some merch. Go support survivors. Do the work. If you ever want to put your money where your mouth is, that's where you can do it. Go check out No Kings Network if you're interested in partnering up with us and Jamie Kane of Liberty Interrupted. We are trying to win the culture war. And the way that we do that is by just being in the culture. So go reach out to him because I don't I don't do anything with that except plug it right here for right now. <laughs> so if you're interested, you should go talk to Jamie about it. That's Jamie Jamie Kane of Liberty Uninterrupted. Check out his podcast. He's he's got he's had some fire guests on lately, too. He's been he's been getting some big dogs on there. Proud of you. Jamie, even though we oh even though we talk a lot of shit to you personally, I'll tell you, I'll tell everybody that I'm proud of you on the air right now, but I'll <laughs> never say that to your face. So don't expect <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, perfect ending. Perfect. Yeah, and with all that being said, guys, we fight against the mob with people over the process. We will see you next week.